0: Hi, Mel. Okay. I can only hear through one ear. That's fine. That's just how things are with this podcast. It's slapdash, but we get there in the end. Yep.
1: It's a bit skew-if, but it's skew-if in a way that is great to me. Yes. I've yeah. decided. No one's
0: here for top-quality content.
1: Right? Yeah. No, <laughs> I hope not. If you are, you're probably in the wrong place, but what I can tell you will happen Mm. is that you'll have a great time. Mm -hmm. You will learn some stuff. Don't at me about that. You will fucking learn. Yes. I don't, I have no time anymore for people that tell us we don't research because I do.
0: I'm like my case today. I'm not jumping ahead. We're still going to banter, but there's so many credits because I've done so much fucking research. So if anyone comes for me over research ever again, I'm going to personally hunt them down.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you know, It'll be a wild ride. It's like mm. a it's like a conversation with two mildly drunk people, which incidentally we actually are usually mildly drunk when we mm-hmm. do this. So, so it's, it actually yeah. is. That's what it is.
0: I'm definitely. It's drinking not like today. that. That
1: is what it is. I, that
0: we've described <laughs> it as a textbook definition. Yeah. Of all Aussie mystery hour. I'm actually drinking today. It's. I
1: know. It's like only
0: I've, lunchtime, but I've just had a bit of a day, and I felt like I needed it.
1: Yeah. Well. I'm not. I'm a bit sick, so I'm mm. actually having a lemon ginger tea and is having what mm. we call a lemon and ginger yeah. tea in the I'll office I'll take a kitchen. photo
0: of it so you know why I
1: call it a lemon and ginger tea because it actually looks like tea. It does. And so when we're in the office kitchen because it's kind of maybe awkward to be eating – I mean, sorry, to be drinking <laughs> – Randomly. alcohol in the middle of the day, <laughs> the of the day. <laughs> when everyone else is hard sometimes at, work. at 10 a.m. we we say it's a lemon and ginger tea and we like put it in a mug so yeah. that it looks like one but it's and i blow not on it
0: for authenticity yeah,
1: really gets into the sort of yeah the zero levels of deception <laughs>
0: yeah i'm undercover undercover functioning alcoholic that's me um how are you anyway I'm what's new pretty good um
1: from I've been thinking about the live show a lot. Me too. So we have a live show coming up. It's getting close. The day is getting close. Like, just like the election, which was called today as mm-hmm. we're recording this, mm-hmm. the day of our live show, arguably more important oh. to the fabric of this nation, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. But it's on Friday, May the 3rd. Yep. Two weeks before the election. Mm-hmm. So if you need to remember when the election is, you should just base <laughs> it off our live show. Uh, it's twenty bucks. Redfern Giant Dwarf. Yep. Uh, Giant Dwarf slash All Aussie Mystery Hour to get tickets. They are actually selling really quickly. So because yes. it's not a massive space, which I think we've said before. So it's not like we're not pretending that we're selling ten thousand tickets. This is not like an Elizabeth Holmes yeah. caper
0: <laughs> or bullshit. Like,
1: Hi, please buy tickets to our live podcast. <laughs> this is like It's the a fact. small intimate yeah, venue, exactly. We
0: want it to fill up, we want everyone to come. Yep. So if you haven't coughed up twenty fucking bucks, ask your mum, ask your housemate, ask your boyfriend. If they ask each your... gave you five dollars, then yeah. you
1: only need to chip in another five. And bring people that like just enjoy a fun night out on a Friday. If you've
0: been with your partner for a while and you're kind of like just stay at home but you're looking for a zesty night out that's not the movies or like a concert where you have to stand around and you're thinking about how you're going to get an Uber home,
1: just come to the podcast.
0: Mm -hmm. Bring your boyfriend along even if he thinks we're really annoying. Yeah. I promise you we'll win him over in person.
1: Yeah. We're like (laughs) even more zesty in person which possibly makes us more annoying but it's relevant the point yeah. being, they should support you as a partner as a loving yeah. partner you, they should support you also i think that it's kind of to me like when you go to a comedy show you yes know you don't. i go to comedy shows sometimes it's very rare that i actually do to be honest and i'll go <laughs> and i'm like i don't know who the fuck this person is who's this shit yes person like not shit person but like who's this <laughs> stranger Who's this bitch? That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> um, and I say bitch as a sort of non-gendered term because I call anybody mm. who I don't know a bitch. Yeah, same. But I'll go, and it's like sometimes it's hilarious, sometimes it's not. It's like when you go to the movies. When I've yeah. go and see, okay, I saw the new. It's J-Lo. cheaper than a movie. Yeah, it's cheaper than a movie these days. Yeah, the movies are an actual daylight robbery yes. situation. Situ- Why
0: can't I talk today? <laughs> Too much lemon and ginger tea. Actual, lemon <laughs> and
1: ginger tea. Um, but when I was away, I saw the J Lo movie. That second act,
0: I one. liked that movie. Me
1: too. <gasps> We've
0: never talked about this. I, I loved, loved it. it. I thought it was a masterpiece of like I had such modern a good time. cinema.
1: I know, and it was such a fun, good time. But yes. I was went into it thinking, am I going to like this? Because yes. I've seen quite a few romantic mm-hmm. slash comedies slash feel good comedies that fall flat. Of so course, I that don't get pissed so off that I spent 25 bucks when it falls flat. Sometimes I do. Yeah. What I'm saying is. But it's a gamble. It's a gamble. Yeah. So just get some friends to come along. I
0: can guarantee you it probably won't be as good as second act. Cause that was a really good mm. movie. JLo. I love is still her. masterful She's in like a romantic fucking queen. comedy. And you know what? I think some people's problem with it. A friend of mine actually messaged me and said, Oh, I saw it. There wasn't enough romance for me. And I was like, but that's life. Like, She was in her 40s. The whole movie was about her, like, career. It was cool. It was kind of cool that it wasn't just, oh, there's a guy and I'm going to pretend to be rich even though I'm a maid. Yeah. I actually fucking love that movie. I do too. (laughs) But, like, 15 years on, it was cool to see her do something a bit different. But also I still enjoyed it, like – and then but there was the romantic element with
1: Milo Ventimiglia who is so hot and he's like really nice in that movie yeah. until for just briefly he's a dick. Yeah. But, but he's just only a dick because he's human. Yeah. Anyway, I, loved it. I really enjoyed it and I think <laughs> I don't like when movies do that thing where they're like oh, we're going to be, like, really progressive and, like, not give yes. you a fun romance yes. because we need to be, like, modern. I No. Do no. not do it for the sake of doing it. Please spend reality for it, me. Do it fucking well. Yeah. This movie, I didn't go and see it and think walk out thinking I didn't have a fun time watching that. I had yeah. a really fucking fun time watching yeah. that. I love women climbing the ranks and then... Go, J-Lo. ...shitting on people who think yes. they're shit but then also finding out that those people are... Oh, spoilers No, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to spoil it Go watch the
0: movie, it's fucking good I love that we're just sitting here talking about like a Like not old movie, but just like a a, a stale movie that came out in December (laughs) It's like, it's not like like new and it's not old It's just like (laughs) kind of (laughs) happened Where like like, everybody go and see second act How, (laughs) how do they go and see it? (laughs) It's not even old enough
1: to be on streaming It's, It's in this weird limbo land it's like of movies it just fades into the <laughs> abyss and then like no one can see it but also but we always do this yes. we're like way late to the party with everything anything uh, we talk about I on just, here is not you know new. what you're away so I didn't <laughs> I know that you saw you. second act but we do it with everything Josie don't you feel like we jump yeah we'll, we'll be like wow this podcast is so good the dropout has been yeah. out for like six months uh, hello me like,
0: with case file yeah. <laughs> I start talking about it in the group and everyone's like yep Josie we all know Case File, <laughs> we've all listened to the Golden State Killer one, yeah. he hadn't even been fucking found yet when that episode came out. No. <laughs> like, come on, oh,
1: Um But geez. speaking of
0: the group, that's mm. our Facebook group.
1: Yes, you should come and join it if you have Facebook and you enjoy mm. a little community of like-minded weirdos.
0: And even if you're just like lurking and like, because we've got some friends mm. that actually have said that they're always looking in the group but they never actually interact which is delightfully creepy and perfect
1: for a crime group oh god yeah i constantly think there's a serial killer in there there probably is we probably probably accepted some serial killers but it's not our fault no it's not like they wrote you know martin in brackets i am a serial killer (laughs) Brown as their like <laughs> name on Facebook, or
0: their their Facebook photo is a mug shot. I know. Well, or like a shot from some of you have CCTV. some white.
1: Like I'm just going to put it out there. There are guys. some alarming. shots There are some alarming <laughs> Facebook profile pictures, and I think that you all need to sort of just sit down. I'm not going to name names. I mm-hmm. just think all of you collectively, mm. individually, but collectively, yeah, just sit down, have a look at yours, just think, just just from an outside, put your, put your brain as an <laughs> outsider and just look at it and think. Does this make you look like a murderer? Yeah. Is and if its an Ivan Milat? Just maybe change it. Just, yeah, just
0: put a nice smiling photo. Put a little sunnies on. Everyone looks photo. hotter in sunnies. Everyone knows
1: that. N- no, see, I think a sunnies photo would maybe make you look more like a murderer. Really? What if you have speed dealer Instagram- sunnies? Oh, nice sunnies. Okay, get it. Get a nice pair of you know Gucci wayfarers. Gucci, oh, or wayfarers. Just knock off Ray Bans.
0: <laughs> That's fine. Just don't okay. wear knockoff off Arnettes.
1: No, don't don't wear Arnettes. <laughs> if everyone needs a bit of help with your Facebook profile. Mm. we suggest a pair of wayfarers inverted commas just i think you know what we're of saying there trendy yeah and then just you know a, at least a light smile i think yes
0: even a smirk not too creepy not grainy. a creepy
1: smirk not Maybe someone else in the photo with you. You alone is yeah. mildly concerned. Smirking by yeah. yourself in speed dealers. <laughs> yeah, is I a definite like creep vibe. And just you know, maybe maybe pull your partner in, pull a yeah. friend in, hold whatever. an animal in an, hold in an in a non-aggressive animal. way. Yeah, not by the don't scruff of the neck. Hold a
0: goat by its neck. No, I'm talking hold a cat and smile in your hands. Yeah,
1: not by the nape of yes. its. Yeah,
0: although they don't mind being carried around like that. I don't.
1: That's going to work as a profile no. picture,
0: though. Yeah, the, the but, cat would be fine with that, is
1: what I Oh, yeah. yeah, so it's like I picked my puppy up like that when she was really little because we had to get her off really? something really quickly, and I was just like, and I was like, she was fine, it's fine, but she is a tiny demon, so that's probably why. I miss her, she's been a fucking psychopath lately. Okay, my dog is insane.
0: Mm. So, my
1: mum, so I don't know, you guys probably know a little bit about Millie, but basically, my mum got a puppy, we got her too young, so basically. It was one of those weird situations where we thought we were going to like – it wasn't like a breeder situation because she was like a mix. Mm-hmm. So it was it was kind of just like we found it through the grapevine. Mm. We turned up because it was the mix that we wanted, mm-hmm. um, which was Jack Russell crossed with something. Um, and this happened to be Schnauzer. So we turned up and it was sort of like a really weird vibe when we got there. And like all the puppies were like, – I don't know. It seems Story. fine. Like everything seems fine. It wasn't like – Oh, they God. were she using her yeah. pets. She Had heaps of pets. Like yeah. they all seemed very happy and healthy, and they were just fine. rooting a lot. But so she had. Well, she said that her dog escaped and ah. fucked the Jack Russell down the street. Okay. Um, which you know, I don't know. Whatever. I didn't judge her. Yeah. But then we saw all the puppies. There were eight of them, and they seemed fine too. They were in like you know, They was shit all over the floor, but they're puppies. They shit all yeah. the time, so it felt like mm. it seemed fine. Um, and then we thought. 'Cause she was like six weeks old, we thought, oh, we'll have to like pick her and then leave her and yes, come back and come in a few back. weeks. Yeah. Cause you I think it's like eight or kitten. Yeah. So, but then when we asked her, she was like, Oh no, like if you want to take her now, just take her. And people were like literally walking out with these dogs. That's so we were like, weird. Well shit, if we leave her, is she just gonna sell it to someone else? Yeah. And then also, who's she even gonna hang out with if we do leave her? <laughs> yeah. There's no other dogs here now. <laughs> so we took her and we sort of took her to the vet and we were like Is this really fun? Is this okay? (laughs) And the vet was like, look, she's fine because she's eating and drinking. Like, she physically will be fine, Mm. but you're probably going to have to watch for, like, behavioural stuff that will develop because she hasn't had time with her puppy – like, with her puppy brothers and sisters, and we've done what we can with that. But the point being, Mm. she's developed some behavioural issues (laughs) – She's a psycho. My mum calls them the arsenic hours and I asked her why. (laughs) It's basically from from when she eats dinner to when she goes to sleep. And I said, why do you say arsenic hours? And she goes, oh, because when you were a child, Melissa, you used to just scream and scream and scream for hours. And Mm. I went to the doctor and I was like, I don't know what to do. She won't, nothing will calm her. Mm. Like after she eats, she's just like, Crazy, is there anything wrong? And the doctor was like, Nah, it's just the arsenic hours. And mum was like, What do you mean? And it's, it's the hours you wished you'd poison them, but you don't. And I was oh, like, Oh my god. god, that is fucked up. But also, wow.
0: the I doctor is, apt.
1: A, is a serial killer. The doctor was a serial doctor killer. Dr. Death yeah. was your
0: family doctor. Um, that's insane. Anyway.
1: There's a lot of different sides. The, in there. I love the arsenic hours. I know. That's really She's funny. Mum will be like, oh, it's the arsenic hours where Millie's just like biting I'm all her right ankles. That. I
0: like parental sayings. So Me too. I'm going to adopt
1: that one. It's a good one. Um, God, that was a lot of asides. That was
0: fine. Um, I don't mind a bit of zestiness in this episode because it's quite bleak. Ah, uh, yeah. I've gone back to my bleak roots. Um, so, you know, the zest is real.
1: Which P.S. we're now, now starting to put in the description... <laughs> The point where the mystery actually begins. If you don't feel like zesty aside, because a couple of you, because a couple of you were saying that, you know, sometimes you just want to hear the mystery. You don't want to hear us crapping on about our fucking dogs and lives and whatever. Which rude, but also yep. fair. <laughs> um, no, it's totally fair. Sometimes I do the same to other podcasts. So we've started putting just in the description, kind of the time point where the mystery yes. starts, which is now. Apparently.
0: Now, well, this is an interesting one because it um, relates to a couple of things that are Mm -hmm. going on at the moment in the news. And I'm only going to say one of them because I don't want to spoil anything. But the one that it really relates to is the news about Jordana Kotevsky, that they're looking into the case again.
1: Which is so good.
0: Um, So for those of you who are new listeners and I find it weird that you haven't gone back to the start and listened in order but to be fair i didn't do that with case file I've, and also I've you constantly chosen, tell people not
1: to listen to beaumont kids don't which is ridiculous to kids. no do she's josie has some weird complex <laughs> that she was really shit in the first episode i mean and it's it just so could have
0: been it could have been so much better but i didn't really know what i was doing
1: yeah we had no feedback it like could point. have been
0: really in depth but i was just like oh, it was good Lip. anyway it was good um anyway i did jordana last season first season it's a case that um, happened in Newcastle. A girl was abducted right near her home, her aunt and uncle's home, and it just kind of stuck with me. But it really resonated with a lot of people in the group that didn't know it, and then Newcastle locals who did know it. And so a few people have put in the group that um, she's been on the front page of the Newcastle Herald. They're reviewing the case. Ah, uh, right. Again,
1: um, there's four officers reviewing it. So that's kind of just going over the evidence yeah. and seeing if there's anything that they can um, sort of and her look mum, deeper into. And her
0: Peggy, is really happy because she's saying that gives her hope that things will be looked at with fresh eyes.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that should happen to all cold cases, yeah. to be honest, because over time it's like everyone's their own person. Mm-hmm. I really, you know, as much as I like to occasionally shit on cops, I actually do think <laughs> they do a really good job. And I also think that, like... People are human beings, mm. so the way one person sees something will be different to somebody else. Mm. New eyes could see something different or could make a connection that someone previously didn't. So that's great. It is great, but it oh. kind
0: of links into the case that I'm oh, doing. Oh, okay. Um, in which maybe things weren't investigated mm. as thoroughly as they should have been. So I actually mentioned this case when I did the Jordana yep. episode, which was... It kind of doesn't really have a name. So, I've called it the Pacific Highway Disappearances, yep. which isn't very catchy. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what people call it. So, I need to credit a bunch of things because, as I said earlier, I've done a lot of fucking research on this one. So, there's an AAP General News article from June 2001 by Denise McNamara. There's a book. So, I found two books. Like, I Googled some names mm-hmm. and came up with those books where it shows you the page, the pages. Oh, Yeah. So one was, and I want to buy them both because they're yeah. amazing. The first one is the Encyclopedia of Unsolved Crimes. Oh, yes, you were talking by about By Michael Newton. And the other one was Cold Case Files by Liz Porter. Then there were two SMH articles from July 4th and 5th, 2002, no bylines. There was another SMH article with no byline from July 5th, 2002 called No Peaceful Rest. I got a lot from that article. It's great. There's a Newcastle Herald article from April 2009 by Dan Proudman. In a Daily Telly article from 2010 by Neil Keane. So there's a lot going on. Because it's kind of three disappearances, I had to yeah. link everything together. So we'll start, obviously, from the start. So Leanne Beth Goodall was an art student and part-time model who lived in Sydney, but she was from Newcastle. There's so little details on these. Like yeah. I, I'm yeah. probably going to, if her family was listening, they'd probably be like, that's not quite right. But I think I have the main facts down. So Leanne was 20 years old. She was going to start a course at Newcastle Technical College in February 1979. On the evening of the 30th of December 1978, her brother Warren. Warren. (laughs) There's a funnier side about Warren.
1: Uh (laughs) Not
0: him, but the name Warren. Oh, okay. So when Julian, who's my partner, I mention him a lot. Sorry if you don't care, mean reviewers. I care because he's lovely. (laughs) So the first time he was coming to meet my parents. He was like, yep, it's all good. I'm not nervous at all. I'll just be like, hey, Warren, how are you? And I'm like, my dad's name's Wayne. So probably don't lead with that. <laughs> so then when we got off the train, we were still kind of laughing about that. And dad was waiting for us. He'd never met Julian. And I'm like, hi, dad. And dad was like nervous. And he goes, Jeremy, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> and then we laughed so much because they'd both gotten each other's names wrong. <laughs> so now cute. they always call each other Jeremy and Warren. Oh, that's really cute. Yeah. So... Warren dropped her off at Musselbrook train station. So Musselbrook's about an hour and a half from Newcastle. So Warren was under the impression that Leanne was going to her apartment in Newcastle before to grab clothes before making her way to her parents' house in Swansea. And then going to Sydney for New Year's Where's Eve Swansea celebration. So Swansea, Newcastle's like Newcastle. Yeah. Swansea's like a southern suburb. So okay. it's like between Newcastle and Sydney. Yeah. You can go that way to get to sydney Mm -hmm. there's like one of the roads that leads to the big freeway yeah you can go through swansea so the area is called east lakes obviously Mm -hmm. it's east of lake macquarie and that's where all of these things happened okay so her parents didn't see her in swansea and then i was a bit confused because then her other brother malcolm was her housemate and he said she never arrived in sydney so i'm like was she living in sydney or newcastle like details were vague Mm. and i'll you'll see why um, but basically Leanne was last seen at the Star Hotel, which was a really popular pub in town, which is what we call like that area, the CBD, um, all Nova in school at that. Are you going out in town? That means like, are you going out on a Saturday night? Yeah. So the Star Hotel doesn't exist anymore. I think it got pretty badly damaged in the earthquake that we had oh, in yeah. 1989, I think. Okay. But for, yeah, it used to be like a bit of a hotspot and now it's not there. So she was seen around the Star Hotel by a school friend named Catherine Pearson. So when she didn't show up anywhere, her parents reported her missing and said that her sudden disappearance was extremely out of character but police at the time treated it as a runaway case and mm. a detective was never assigned to look at it.
1: Uh. So that's why there's so few details because... Why do they just... I don't. No details were gathered. Yeah, and I understand assuming... Mm. In your own mind, that it's yes. going to be runaway. but you would think that they would have an obligation to investigate any missing persons, regardless of what they think about the yes. situation. It's kind of like, okay, cool, it maybe will end up that way, but mm. just do a bit of digging anyway Look into it, and and trust that the parents are like,
0: she's a really happy girl. Yeah, she's starting a course in Newcastle in February. It's un- that un- she's excited about. How to do this? So yeah. why would she suddenly disappear in December? Yeah, without and really close knit family, like why wouldn't she tell anyone? Um, And then, so she was last seen by that friend. But because it was kind of like not an official like case, and her photo wasn't circulated around the papers in Newcastle, other people could have seen her. Yeah, it's just that that girl knew her and was like, "I'm the I saw her," and she was the last one they could figure out had yeah. seen her. but but he, someone heaps else of could, people could have seen her. Yeah, between Newcastle and Swansea, like mm. she was making a way. There's a lot of places she could have been seen, but no one knew. To even remember her. Yeah, exactly. It's so annoying. So basically, jumping ahead a bit, but there was a cr- coronial inquest by a state coroner at the time, John Abernethy, which ran from two thousand and one to two thousand and two, and looked at these cases. So Beth Lean, who's Leanne's mother, she said that in the months following Leanne's disappearance, they did receive several phone calls from police, kind of checking in, mm. but a formal statement from her family members was never taken. Ah. Oh. That's also weird. Um, Beth told the court, quote, we never had any satisfaction in any way except calls to say, don't worry, she'll be back. Mm. John Abernethy called the lack of police response to Leanne's disappearance a failing of, quote, extreme magnitude, which I agree with. Yeah, agreed. Um, Beth Lean also said Leanne had a tendency to hitchhike all over Newcastle and the Central Coast area, Central Coast being between Newcastle and Sydney for non-New South Wales listeners. So Beth said, I'd say we didn't have any differences um, apart from the hitchhiking, which upset me. I was never happy about that. I was begging her, please don't go, but she did go. Leanne's brother Malcolm also said he tried to stop Leanne from hitchhiking, but told the inquest she said she was big enough to look after herself. So then we move on to 14 weeks later, April 7th, 1979, an 18-year-old Newcastle resident named Robin Elizabeth Hickey had organised to meet one of her netball buddies at a pub called the Belmont Hotel. So Belmont is near Swansea. Mm -hmm. So it's the same area. Yeah. Okay. Um, She left her Belmont North house, and I've written here, it should be noted, that's two suburbs away from Swansea. Right. Where Leanne Goodall's parents lived and where she was presumed to be heading. Um, So, Robin left her house at 7.15. She was last seen close to a house on the Pacific Highway, which is the main road that runs, like, it's a very big road. It runs, like, all along the coast. But it runs, like, right through these suburbs. Charlestown, where Jordana Kotevsky lived. Belmont North, Swansea. Um, Robin never arrived at the Belmont Hotel, never met her friends. This is at night,
1: right? Night,
0: 7.15pm. So, her parents, again, reported her missing. The police labelled her a known
1: hitchhiker. Again... Okay, so yeah. what, actually, if anything, <laughs> wouldn't that make you go, maybe we should look yes, into this? because she was annoying. That's to... like completely different mm. to a runaway. Like, okay, I don't agree with the runaway thing because I just think look into everything. doesn't matter what your presumption is about this person. Yeah. But at least with that theory, what you're saying is, oh, she's probably just run away. Yeah. But with a hitchhiker, it's like, yeah. well, then something bad has happened, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Ugh.
0: They investigated for a couple of weeks, but only two statements were taken. Oh, my God. Before they seemingly gave up. So in the book that I found, The Encyclopedia of Unsolved Cases, it quotes Robin's father, Jim Hickey, and he alleged that police in 1979 warned him they'd stop investigating her disappearance if he went and spoke out to the media and said they're not doing anything what? about it. What the fuck? You can't threaten. Yeah, it's wild. The family of a victim. Yeah. Yeah. Who are these people? I, don't know. I hate them. It's, no, I
1: hate cops again.
0: It's I know. And you were like, you know, I think some of them do a really good job. I'm like, oh, well, this whole case is about them not doing a good job. <laughs>
1: Obviously, not like blanket. <laughs> I'm sure some of you are cops or you know cops that like do really good work. It's not mm. like I'm actually saying that, but it's very frustrating. Yeah, it's that thing this with, whole
0: one is really frustrating. I've got to warn you here. It's also that
1: thing with, um, I think, uh, the public service is that what we'd call it. Yeah. So like. I've got friends that are nurses and they tell me wild stories from hospitals and things and, you know, they'll talk about like shit doctors versus good doctors. And it's that terrifying thing that you want your life slash the lives of your loved ones to be in the hands of someone really, really capable. But the reality is we're all human beings. So there's mm. going to be shit people and good people. Just yeah. Just like there's shit people it's in almost all, all, like all industries. And like luck of the draw. It is. And that's what's so scary mm. because it's like, as a whole, I'm sure cops are grey. Mm. Cops are tops, you know. But <laughs> we love cops. But then you get these shit ones, and it really can make or break finding someone, mm-hmm. catching someone mm-hmm. who's going to do something again, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm very frustrated, Josie. Oh, it is frustrating. I didn't expect to be this frustrated at it's 2 p.m. It's a really p.m. frustrating on a one. Thursday.
0: Why do you think I'm <laughs> drinking? And it reminds me, I was actually listening to a case file episode while I'm waiting for Belangalo part four. Um, it's one set in Macedonia. I haven't finished it yet. But basically this woman's mum goes missing mm. and she goes to the police and says, my mum's missing. She just went to the market. No one saw her there. I haven't seen her since. And the police kind of didn't believe her. And they were like, she's a runaway. She's a 65-year-old woman. Like, Yeah. Anyway, then they said that this woman would have to pay them to investigate. What?
1: That's ridiculous. Yes.
0: And it, I, I was listening to it, going, that's ridiculous. And then I researched this and I'm like... They basically almost were kind of bribing well, Jim yeah. Hickey. Or well, blackmailing, not blackmailing, yeah, kind of bribing. Yeah, it's awful. Um, so basically in 90, 1998, Strikeforce Fenwick, which I brought up in the Jordana yep. episode, was set up to investigate kind of just a bunch of disappearances and murders throughout Newcastle and the Hunter region between 1979 and 1994, which is when Jordana went missing. And 1979 is Leanne, so they were kind of the bookends. There's a bunch. There's some men and young women. Scary stuff. Um, Jim Hickey said during, this, during the inquest that it, he felt that it was just covering the same ground as the 1979 investigation, mm. saying to reporters, they are totally insensitive to the feelings of parents in this matter. I have to read in the papers what is going on. <gasps>
1: like it's really fucked it's really fucked like look also I mean I'm sure that they're grieving parents and people in grief can mm. say things and you know get a quite sensitive understandably but still like the facts are facts if there's only a couple of statements and there's you know they finished doing investigations quite quickly that says well he probably has a leg to stand yeah. on yeah
0: it's just anyway it gets worse so just 13 days after Robin vanished, mm. on the 21st of April, 1979, a 14-year-old girl named Amanda Robinson got off a bus near her home in Swansea. She had been at a school dance. She was on her way home, but she never made it. Amanda was last seen walking on Lake Road, which is a main road that cuts straight through the Pacific Highway. Mm-hmm. She was only about 400 meters from her house when she was last spotted. So it's mm. kind of got those Jordana,
1: yeah, Kitevsky vibes of she was a lot closer to her house, but it's just that. Still, that that's thing, pretty close. Like, imagine for her parents, yeah, the trusted area, like the area you don't mind your kids yeah. walking through. Um, and she was kind of so close
0: to being there, and then mm. was never seen again. So because of Amanda's age, it seemed the police took her disappearance a bit more seriously mm-hmm. than the other two. They sent two homicide detectives from Sydney to Newcastle to look into the case. During the 2001 inquest, the detectives told the coroner's court that they were brought to Newcastle exclusively to work on Amanda's case, so they didn't look at possible connections to Robin's disappearance two weeks earlier, one suburb away.
1: Mm, that's what? is that just. I'm so frustrated I by the turn think, of events here.
0: Yeah, I just – and I didn't realise when I yeah. was looking into it. It's kind of like the Tassie Tiger. I ended up getting really frustrated at just human actions. Yeah. In that episode that I didn't realise things had happened and it's the same thing here. I, I knew these girls had gone missing
1: but I just didn't know the incompetence level. Yeah, and the and the lack of care. It's It's not even incompetence in the sense of we're not trained well enough. It's mm. like – it's like they literally just can't be bothered. Yeah.
0: And it's okay. Newcastle's a large-ish city. It's mm. the biggest, I feel like it used to be the biggest non-capital city in Australia. Mm. I don't know if that's changed. It's not like it's a small town, but it's it's not like this happens all the time. Yes, there are a bunch of disappearances they looked into, but for that to happen within two weeks, yeah. is quite unusual. Like when Jordana was abducted, it was like huge news. Mm. But like, these people they didn't even care they're like oh they're runaways it was just because Jordana was seen being pulled into a car that they're Mm. like she's not a runaway but something terrible's
1: happened do you reckon it's the time maybe the time because I feel like you know from pretty much the 60s onwards like Mm. attitudes towards women were yes like it's a slow climb to something closer to equality and respect Mm -hmm. I guess and I feel like particularly in the 70s and early 80s maybe Police just didn't have much respect for, like, teen girls. And they were just like, oh, they're just being fucking idiots or whatever, you know. But
0: it's like, what else are you investigating? It's not like Newcastle's a hotbed of crime. Like, what else are you investigating? You should have at least been like, oh, another girl two weeks ago has been reported missing. Let's just look. Even if one of the two detectives follows that path. Yeah. It's just, I cannot even imagine how frustrated all these parents are. The detectives only stay for two weeks before leaving again. That's not not long, long enough, enough to investigate anything. They left Amanda's case as a third unsolved disappearance in a matter of months in the same area that were not investigated properly at all. Wow. It's just I just can't even imagine for her fam, the, all the families. Yeah. Just when you, these people are supposed to be there to help you and you've reported, you've done everything, right? You've said, "Yep, this person's missing, they wouldn't run away." i'm telling you police because that's the next step mm. and they're like "Ah, oh, she'll be back like just and imagine feeling so powerless yeah to, because you can't do, do anything.
1: anything even people like they're so like okay so say they don't just say they're awful demons and they don't give a shit about mm. his parents surely there'll be pressure from the community as well mm. because no one wants to live in an area where two young women three mm. young women in the period of a couple of years really if you look at it well because in the first to the second like 14 months did you say
0: 14 weeks oh okay one was december and two were april whoa okay
1: i heard 14 months okay so within a period of months three young women have gone Mm -hmm. missing within a sort of radius of a few suburbs yeah wouldn't the community would be freaking the fuck out and like you would owe it even if you didn't give a shit about individuals even if you're heartless yeah
0: your own reputation. Your own reputation yeah. is on the line if you're not yeah. actually
1: doing some shit.
0: Yeah. God, that's crazy. It is so crazy. So, C- Superintendent Clive Small, who people listening to Belanglo and people familiar with the Malak case will recognise, he headed up that task force. Yeah. Um, the Backpacker Murders. So he's like quite well known. Um, he ordered the Strike Force Fenwick investigation, which didn't lead to a resolution for these cases. I can't find much info actually put in the group Mm. because someone's like does anyone look at coroner findings for fun and I was researching this case and I was like this is literally me right now and took a photo of my computer and then I actually asked like I couldn't see any before 2012 Mm. apart from kind of like 80s 70s yeah there's like this gap like of a few decades Mm -hmm. where you can't access them so I could see um Victoria Cofaso, Yeah, but that was Tasmania have different laws. So yeah, I, I, right. I use the coroner findings because mm. they're the facts. Like they're actually great for this kind of research. Yeah. But I couldn't actually see the inquest or the Strikeforce Fenwick findings. Yeah, They're not publicly available. So I've just really had to piece it together from different things. Um, I, I don't think any of the – Strikeforce Fenwick was a few cases. I'm not sure any of them – had a resolution but I know these certainly didn't then the coronial inquest that was led by John Abernethy that began in 2001 and wrapped up in 2002 it went for a year it was huge like hundreds of people gave evidence finally people were looking into Mm. these cases properly but Abernethy who I don't I hope he's not probo because I'm like he's my hero in this case like he was furious yeah the lack of police action he slammed the initial investigations he said it was extraordinary quote-unquote that it took 23 years for the cases to be referred to a coroner he went in on norm Sheether, who back in the late 70s was in charge of newcastle district detectives he asked him like in court why the cases had quote-unquote died by the end of 1979 and couldn't give him a reason. Yeah, wow. He asked him why Leanne Goodall's disappearance was never actually looked at by any detectives. His answer was, I don't know, it should have been. What? This is what I mean by incompetence. I'm just like. Yeah, it's
1: like kind of just laziness <laughs> almost.
0: It's just, it's just almost. I don't understand what else they were doing. It's like I said, it's not a hotbed of criminal like activity. It sounds
1: so much like judgment, like. Like just assumptions. Like and, she and was because she
0: was really pretty. She was a model. Mm. Like oh, she had like she lived in Sydney or she lived who knows where she was living. I couldn't figure it out. Mm. But maybe she was a bit flighty or whatever and hitchhiking around. So yeah. they're like oh well, she'll be back. Like that's
1: not right. It's weird though because like statistically, if you like looking at victims and mm. the victims that get attention and it it's is beautiful white women, beautiful white women. Mm. Yeah. So it's interesting that they were so if she were a black woman, hundred percent mm. I'd just be like, oh fucking a sex worker standard. Yeah, or a sex worker. But or a like, gay man? Yeah, it's like, you know, there are usually like types of people. Yeah. That, high
0: risk like, in a yeah. commas.
1: And then there are people that well, even just yeah, types of people that like police yeah. statistically it's are like, like lower discriminate priority discriminate yeah. against. And then there are ones that
0: get you know, all the get all the attention. attention. And it's
1: usually white. Straight
0: women. Well, it's like Jordana years later got heaps of attention in Newcastle because she was just a 16-year-old gorgeous girl. Um, But, yeah, just like a few decades before, it was just like
1: meh. Yeah, it's so wild.
0: Um, So I'm going to actually read a bit of an SMH article that reports the court proceedings because this conversation is really spicy between Abernethy, the coroner, Mm -hmm. and Sheetha, who was the ex-head of detectives. So John Abernethy said, could I suggest that no one, you or anybody else, did that analysis and these cases just slipped through the cracks? She thought, well, that's the way it appears. I'm, I'm eye-rolling hard. Yeah. Abernethy, what I want to ascertain is whether these cases are just because of the system or the leadership of criminal investigations in those days. Nothing was done to finish them off one way or the other. Sheetha then passed the buck and said that his job was, quote-unquote, virtually administration. What? And that it was actually the responsibility of a man named Mervyn Squires, who was then the divisional officer. To assign jobs to detectives so he was just like it's
1: his fault but also you're the head of the department so yeah. maybe it's your fault yeah
0: so Abernethy said he found it incredibly difficult to believe that as the head of Newcastle region detectives Mr Sheetha was not responsible for overseeing the investigation saying you are suggesting on oath the buck stopped with sergeant squires <laughs> I love John Abernethy so <laughs> he was so fucking angry and I'm I am too just mm. researching this that caused Norm Sheather to then admit he was responsible for the investigation and the allocation of resources and that it was up to him or Sergeant Squires to then refer the matters to the coroner, which didn't happen either until decades later. Yeah. Um, so then Detective Superintendent Ron Smith, who had been the head of Fenwick, told the inquest that police should have treated the disappearances as suspected homicides, not runaways, which we all know now. Um, he added that investigate. Investigators failed to consider a serial killer, pointing out that the three went missing within four months of each other while waiting at bus stops or alighting from buses near their homes on the Pacific Highway. Now, it's always been said about Leanne that she was grouped in with these people, but she was last seen at the Star Hotel. Mm. Her parents lived in Swansea and she was thought to be heading there, but I couldn't find any quotes saying she was last seen on the Pacific Highway. Yeah. I think she was just kind of linked in. But definitely those two within the two weeks yeah, were getting off yeah. buses. They were on the Pacific Highway. Um, they were all young females. They went missing on a Saturday and their bodies have never been found despite, exten- bleh, despite extensive searches, even, even in recent years. So he saw all of those as links. Yeah. Um, and I remember in the Jordana episode, John Abernathy recently, like last year, said he believes all four. Yeah,
1: I remember you telling me that, and
0: we were a bit like, mm, I don't know, because Jordan is so
1: far in the future, yeah, from them. But now, knowing more about the fourteen-year-old, mm. um, it is possible, and oh. I think also knowing about, oh, even like um, the Golden State Killer, mm-hmm. just that serial killers can take yeah. time out. I mean, like the thing is, is You look at them, obviously they're monsters, but they Mm. don't – their minds probably don't operate necessarily Mm. like an actual monster. Yes. It's not like they just like violently attack within only – like within a very structured set Mm. pattern necessarily. Like it's kind of like, okay, you know, if that person's like starts a family like the Golden State Killer did where it's like, okay, well now I'm starting a family, I've got kids, maybe Mm. that changes Mm. something in the way that they look at the world. Mm. But then something could happen.
0: Yeah, there's those it's, trigger. Points. Yeah,
1: it's like I can understand how he would think. Yeah, how he's putting that together. Because aside from the
0: year, if that happened two weeks after, yeah, Amanda Robinson, you'd a thousand percent yeah. be like, "Yep, same, and same it's still guy." Similar
1: area, similar mm. kind of person. Yeah. beautiful, young. Yeah, white woman. Mm. Similar kind of, you know, near. Like, she's, she was near the Pacific Island. Yeah, she yeah, just crossed over yeah. it. So, you know, like, yeah. there are definitely, like, links yeah. there.
0: Yeah, he, his quote is, you've got to look at them as a package. Mm-hmm. Um, so the inquest into, like, the three disappearances wrapped up on July 5th, 2002, with John Abernethy's official finding, saying that 20-year-old Leanne Goodall and 18-year-old Robin Hickey died as a result of homicide by person or persons unknown he found that 14-year-old Amanda Robinson died after being abducted by a person or persons unknown. Why did he make that decision? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think maybe that person that saw her on the street.
1: Yeah. Oh, because the other two also were hitchhiking.
0: Yes, and also, like, their last scenes were not so... Like, Amanda was last seen, like, walking along the street, whereas one was, like, last seen... At a pub yeah like it was less and they were both weren't they both like
1: likely to be hitchhiking to a yes. place yeah at the time yeah. so he's probably what he's saying there is like the person who's picked them up which is yeah. an abduction because they willingly get in yes. the car yeah whereas with the 14 yeah because she had been, got
0: off the bus and was walking yeah home. there's so no there's way no why no she would be reason yeah. okay. to hitchhike yeah that makes sense so his formal findings This is hard to say. His formal findings found (laughs) great fault. How many Fs can I put in this sentence? Great fault in the police action or lack thereof I've written at the time. And here's a quote from the court. Um, The lack of police action, quote, severely hampered police ability to identify and properly investigate the information relevant to each person of interest such further investigations may have served the purpose of eliminating or otherwise confirming the status of any individual as a person of interest so there's no fucking evidence mm. so it was really they do have persons of interest which i'm about to talk about but it became impossible to tie anyone to anything yeah because those police at the start didn't even bother fucking investigating mm. at least one of the cases and barely investigated the other two Um, the failure to report each of the matters to a coroner perpetuated the severe problems from which the investigation suffered so no one looked into it for decades yeah it was too late so after reviewing the investigations john apanethi called for major changes to the way missing persons cases are handled recommending that every unresolved case should be assessed and determined if it should be treated as a criminal investigation so that's good he also said that police should c- conduct systematic aud- audits into old missing persons cases. So don't just forget it for 23 yeah. years and that a new body be set up to deal solely with reviewing unsolved homicides. So that's probably what's happened with Jordana, they're Yeah, reviewing. Because they've reviewed, they've reviewed her case a couple
1: of times. Yeah. But as they probably should, like, I, like we said, different mm, eyes, fresh, fresh eyes, eyes, new technology, yep. new... You know, methods mm. of investigation. I'm sure it, it's constantly changing. Yeah. So, so that's good. At yeah. least, like,
0: hopefully, something came of the inquest. Um, but also, several persons of interest were brought to the stand to be interviewed. So th- apparently, there's six, but I could only find three names. Okay. Because the coroner findings are nowhere publicly. So there was Neville Drinkwater. He was originally questioned in the weeks following Amanda Robinson's disappearance, the third girl. He was 19 at the time and he had, in inverted commas, unusual sexual habits. Mm. Police found porn magazines, scissors and tape in his car during their first investigation. His brother Theo alibied him but then gave police a different account of where Neville had been Mm. the night that Amanda disappeared. During the inquest, he conceded that he actually didn't know where Neville was that night. Right. And he admitted that his brother was in the habit of picking up hitchhikers. Right. Okay. Um, there was also convicted rapist Kevin John Macy. Um, he was questioned over Robin's disappearance, the second girl. He had picked up a hitchhiker on the Pacific Highway in Belmont on June twentieth, nineteen seventy nine. So months after Amanda's disappearance, he'd raped this woman, but he'd been caught,
1: and he served seven years in prison. So he got caught while he was committing the crime, or I'm like not afterwards? sure. I couldn't find uh, okay. anything about this man. It's mm. actually.
0: Like insane, the like lack of coverage yeah. on these cases, I was a bit like, why did I pick this? But
1: it's good. <laughs> no, you're it's doing a great job. Um, I'm not actually sure, but he... he I was only asking because I was like, oh, if he got caught while it was occurring mm. and that's how he got convicted, that would make him, to me, the prime suspect mm. just because... You know, he's he's picked up a girl. Yeah, in he's attacked Belmont, her. on the
0: Pacific Highway. Yeah, so the it's same like, year. you know,
1: for all we mm, know, these it's wild. women were mm-hmm. raped and then murdered. Yeah. So if he were the person, yeah, anyway. I'm
0: not, learned. I like looked up his name. I don't have the woman's name. Yeah. So it was a bit hard. He denied knowing what happened to Robin. Yeah. So in this book called Case Files, I found some info about another man who was questioned named Rodney Winters so he had been caught by DNA evidence. So it was one of those like technology came in and like yeah. a cold case. So he'd, he had committed the 1982 rape and murder of a woman named Cheryl Trace at a RAF base in Maitland, which is near Newcastle. Yeah. And he didn't get done for that until like I think it was the 90s <laughs> um, by DNA. In the late 70s, Winters had lived near and like he drank a lot at the Star Hotel where Lee was last seen and detectives were interested in him because a fellow prisoner told police that Winters had spoken about being involved in the murders of three girls in Newcastle in the late 70s. Mm. Winters denied those allegations and then pointed out that that prisoner who had like ratted him out had given false evidence on other cases in court mm. and couldn't be trusted. So it was a little flimsy.
1: Yeah. Like yeah. I said,
0: the star was a very popular place. Like my yeah. parents went there.
1: Yeah. It doesn't
0: really mean, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, and also if this guy is, you know, giving false evidence around is yeah. not really sounds, a very reliable yes. witness.
0: Um, hang on. So that was, that was three. So, there is a fourth person, okay. and this is the main person of interest mm. in the disappearances of Leanne, Robin, and Amanda, and that's Ivan Malat. Mm. So, he had been a road worker in Newcastle in the 70s, which Casey confirmed in Case File, mm-hmm. episode three. I was like waiting for him to say it because yeah. he travelled all around. Um, he lived near and hung out at the Star Hotel. Again, that's very, like, who didn't?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, where Leanne Goodall was last seen. But a witness claims he also saw Milat at the Belmont Hotel, which mm. is where Robin Hickey was headed the yeah. night she disappeared. Um, they saw him the night before she disappeared.
1: Right. And okay. apparently
0: he also kind of lived and stayed around the Belmont area. Yeah. So the East Lakes area. Um, and we all know that Milat was known to pick up hitchhikers. He also reportedly spoke of grave sites around the Hunter Mm. and police later searched a sand mine near a hotel in Belmont where Malat had stayed. They found gun pellets and empty cartridge cases during a search for a grave but nobody. Mm. Um, So I remember the inquest because they brought Malat, obviously, who is serving seven life sentences, they brought him to Toronto court to give evidence at this inquest. Mm. So it was like this whole thing in Newcastle. Oh, my God, I have my here. He's a monster. I was in high school. Everyone was in a real tiz about it. So basically he took the stand. He denied he knew anything about the disappearances and then he refused to answer any questions. Mm. But before that, he upset the girls' families with some comments that he made during the inquest. He leaned forward and said about Leanne, I was mystified when I read about one person who went missing in December and they didn't report her missing till February. And then he said about Amanda, "I could ask how they let a fourteen-year-old run around to midnight." He also said, "I could look these people right in the eye and tell them I had nothing to do with your children going missing." So it was basically like parent shaming, like, like police shaming, them kind of,
1: and saying I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. But
0: he's also said he has nothing to do with the backpack murders. Well, that's
1: it. Like you can't. So it's like uh, him saying that is yeah. not enough. I mean, it's definitely very coincidental that he mm-hmm. happened to be in that area and that it's hitchhiking mm-hmm. vibes again and centred around a road. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting.
0: Um, so then after he refused to answer questions, they asked him to answer written questions. Mm. So he wrote this letter to police. Um, the contents weren't published until 2009. And I got these quotes from the Newcastle Herald article by Dan Proudman. So Millat said in the letter and it's not the best grammar because, let's face it, he was an idiot, a monster but not a smart one. (laughs) Um, So here's Malat writing. Even if I was given seven life pardons plus a million or $7 million, I still would not have been able to assist you. I feel I have done all I can to assist you in the prosecution of Ivan Malat. Perhaps you should tell the families that due to their failures in taking more care prior to when their children went and, more importantly... This is a bit that doesn't make sense. The past then, I think he means the parts that Ah. the police played in looking after their reports of the disappearances, how they responded to it, and the inadequate investigations by Operation (laughs) Fuckwits. It is doubtful if anything will ever be known. Frankly, I don't care what you tell. Your miserable attempts to frame me may satisfy them. I do feel sorry for them, so good luck. I really hope you can find out whoever really did it and hope you then give me an apology.
1: <laughs> no one's giving You're you an, an apology. an actual Alat. demon.
0: Like, yeah. just shut the fuck up. Um, John Abernethy said in his formal findings that he believes Ivan Milat is a strong person of interest in the, all three murders. Yeah. But he was unable to be officially linked to them, just like those other guys, because there was no evidence, yeah. because they weren't properly looked into yeah. at the time they happened. Yeah which pisses me off so much. So in 2010, more human remains were found in Belangelo State Forest um, where Malat put all of the seven backpacker murder victims' remains. So the families of the girls were kind of like holding their breath in case Mm. it was their daughter's. It wasn't. But Leanne Goodall's mother, Bethleen, was interviewed for the Daily Telegraph and she said, we would love for her body to be found. That's the first thing because there is nothing we'd like more than to be able to bury her after all these years we're all praying for answers, but of course, you don't want Malat to have been involved. Ann Robinson, Amanda's mother, so all the mums have like bonded together, mm. um, which is really nice. That and is nice. Jordana's mum often does stuff with them as well. It's like they've linked them in their kind of minds as well. Mm. Just recently, they said they kind of urged police to raise the reward to a million dollars. Mm they were urging police to raise it to moon dollars for any information that could lead to the girls um, murderer or Mm. their remains or any information. So Anne Robinson said, it just totally sickens me to think he might've been involved in what happened to our innocent darling girls. He was in the area at the time, but we can't have tunnel vision regarding Malat because there might be some other creature out there just as bad as him, Mm. (sighs) which makes me shudder. Um, Robin Hickey's father said after the inquest concluded in 2002 that he was grateful for the intensive police work that had been put in since 1998, but says it came too late. There was no hope from the start because they didn't put the effort in when Robin went missing. First of all, they wanted to believe our daughter was a runaway. Our daughter's cases will lie in the police records. Unless someone comes up with a confession, nothing will happen. That's the truth in the matter.
1: Yeah, wow.
0: And that's it. So it was actually so I mean all of these cases are depressing yeah. that we look into but it just annoyed me so much that not everything was done
1: yeah to try and solve it and it's at the time um hearing one of the mums say you know obviously we it's awful to think it, mm. would, it might have been malat because yes. it makes you realize that they have no idea what happened to their kids no. and they're thinking the worst mm-hmm. and that's horrible and it's horrible that a lot of that could have been fixed or, you know, look, I'm going to say that I don't think that they would have found the girls alive. No. Which is devastating in and of itself. But there is something to be said about closure, you know, yeah. like they just want to – like, like what she said about wanting to bury the bones yeah. and things like that. And so it's that thing of if they'd investigated properly in the beginning mm. – would they have enough evidence to start leading toward one of these suspects or even convict them? Yeah. And if they had, then you go down the path, well, if it just say it was Malat, Mm. they could have convicted him way earlier and he wouldn't have committed all these other murders. And that's the thing with this stuff. It's not like. One
0: thing leads to another. Well, yeah. And that's,
1: I guess what I mean with, you know, putting our trust Mm. in people's hands and then hoping that they're decent human beings who are going to try. Yeah. Because I think the police field is that. To a T, like you, your actions and your mm. efforts. If you don't put in a hundred percent, I sound like a football a footballer, but if you don't percent, really, I don't left put it all out on the field and leave it all out on the field. Mm. Full credit then, to the boys. You know, you could mm. let a serial killer go and kill more people.
0: Well, even with the backpacker murders, we were talking in Mystery Minutes mm. about how they. Um, the parents were, like, calling from Germany and being, like, in, in England, being, like, I haven't seen – heard from my daughter. And they were, like, yeah, she's probably just – like, the Aussie cops were, like, oh, she's probably just having a good time. Yeah. And even then, like, he then went on to kill more people after the original yeah backpacker murders from that cluster because I I – I'm going to say, I don't think he only killed seven people. Mm. Most people think he's responsible for many more. Up and down, he's worked everywhere in New South Wales. When I was looking into this, there's a bunch of disappearances that he's linked to in Cronulla, in other kind of coastal suburbs where he worked. So, like, if we just look at it as the cluster of seven, even, like, the first ones that he murdered, that wasn't... Like, he didn't... Like you said, he didn't do it all in four weeks. Mm. He waited, like a year to kill more. Yeah. So if they had have just looked into it when those parents were like, something's going on, my kids are missing, then maybe he wouldn't have even gone on to kill seven people. Yeah, that exactly. That time around, it's just, yeah. I know that many police do a really good and thorough job and I, I think that they have learned from these kind of stories, even John Abernethy saying in his official findings, mm-hmm. like you need to sort this out is good. Yeah. But it's just like how many of these deaths could have been avoided. And it's also
1: that thing where I'm like, I understand as well that it's almost unfair the level of pressure that we put on people that work in these kinds of industries, like Mm. doctors, police, paramedics, Mm. you know, nursing, all of that, because they've got insanely high-pressure jobs there's a lot resting on their shoulders and we have shit days at work. There's days I come into work and I yeah. don't work as well as I would other days. Stuff's on my mind or yeah. whatever. And and we always you know, kind of
0: joke, oh, well, it's n- like no one's on a table. No one's lives yeah, are on our hands. exactly. But in
1: these jobs, they are. They are. And it's that line between where do you go, okay, I need to have empathy for this person because maybe they've, they'd hit a rough patch in their own life yeah. and would just drop the ball mm. and they're human and we can't expect them to just 24-7 be on the ball. Yeah. But then there's also the other element of, okay, but you chose this profession. Yeah. And – This is literally a one job. And if <laughs> – and also in that, like, putting in all those circumstances of, you know, you're in Newcastle, it's not like you're working a beat that yeah, is Yeah, Chicago PD. Criminal, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and also, you know – even if you're doing kind of a distracted job, mm. you could have at least done some mm. more than you did because you yeah. really didn't do a lot.
0: No, it's no like one Victoria Carfaso as well yeah. Dan in yeah. And they had the excuse of it's a very small town. Yeah, Newcastle is a big enough town to at least think you'd go through the right procedure. Yeah. Something like this happens. It's just, I feel so, and um, since even some of those quotes that I got, I think Leanne Goodall's, mother's passed away mm. without knowing what happened yeah um well and it's sort just, of like, just so I'm, awful it
1: sounds terrible but i'm like are they ever gonna know because i just don't know if I there know. was enough taken at the time yeah like it's almost like with these things it's been so, so long with this. yeah how are you gonna get enough evidence to unless someone has a deathbed confession yeah. like
0: jim hickey said unless someone just confesses there's no way we're gonna know like he seems pretty resigned to that yeah. fact which fucking sucks that's his kid yeah like oh it's so shit and it's really scary like I remember kind of reading about it like I'll give credit to Newcastle media Newcastle Herald like it's kind of was constantly not constantly but you'd often see these cases pop up like talking to the parents and like urging for reviews Mm. and like I knew who these girls were when I was a kid because they were quite well covered by the media Um, You know, so they kind of keep the case alive in that way. But if there's no evidence to be found.
1: Yeah, it's like, well, there's not like 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 (laughs) if you like going back over the evidence is good. But if there's not much there to go off, you're not going to find new stuff. Like not now. There's no nothing you can collect from.
0: Yeah. It's really sad. Oh, yeah. Sorry to bring it. I mean, I knew it was going to be bleak, but I didn't know it would be infuriating as well. as bleak. Um, I just hope. I feel like these people don't give – we've had this conversation where we're like, they're such demons, they won't even give a deathbed confession. No. I don't see Malak – like, he's an no. insane person who is always like, I didn't do anything. So I hardly think he's going to be going, actually, yeah, not only did I do the seven, there's also these girls. Yeah. Um, it just absolutely sucks. But I guess we've learned not to hitchhike.
1: Yep. Without I was victim, never gonna victim blaming too ever. much. Anyway, it, it
0: was just in the Belanglo I mean, one. Very, I mean, he it, talks about how common it was. Oh yeah,
1: it's and that's the thing is it's. Um, I actually don't judge anyone. Yeah, <clears throat> sorry from back then because uh-huh. it was uh-huh. so done. It was just how you got around. Yeah, you no, know, nothing about it was. Yeah, like you know, I think that people were probably a bit like, "Eek!" Might be in a situation, but it probably was like the level of how we walk in the dark. Mm after being out or something and we're like it won't happen to me careful gotta be cautious but it won't happen to me Mm."
0: yeah um so sorry for just really bringing the mood down um i can bring the mood up again by saying buy your live show ticket yeah come and see us i promise they won't be bleak depressing no they'll be fun
1: and zesty yeah we're gonna bring
0: the zest to the live show yeah because we don't want everyone sitting around crying no, that wouldn't be good. It's going to be fun. So remember giantdwarf.com.au. Get your tickets there, $20. I seriously lost $20 the other day. So mm,
1: I lose it constantly. It's so not a big And then gayer. I find it in pants all the time. So yeah. use that $20 pants money.
0: Yeah. And
1: come to the And live come show. along.
0: Um, but that's it. Bye. Bye.